0: It's the next level.
1: No, well, that's not fair.
2: No. No. But, no,
0: You took the short path. No. You cheated, Diana. But, but that, that, that is the truth. But, that is the only truth, and truth is all there is.
2: But I would have won
0: if you didn't. But you know. didn't. You cannot be the winner, because you are not ready to win, and there is no shame in that. Only in knowing the truth in your heart, and not accepting it. No true hero is born from lies. Your time will come, Diana. When? When you're ready. Look to the golden warrior, Asteria. She did not become a legend out of haste. She did it through true acts of bravery, like patience, diligence, and the courage
2: Welcome back to the show, panelists. I'm Mark. I'm Laura. And this week, we decided to have Laura on because we we have this Wonder Woman movie that came out. Wonder Woman 1984 is what we're discussing. It's been out for, I what, a week and a half, two weeks?
1: Mm -hmm. Right after Christmas.
2: Yeah, Christmas Day it launched, and, you know, we all had a good time we're all anticipating it that was the most anticipated movie to come out i was looking forward to <laughs> for it to come out in the summer and it never came they kept delaying it telling us we're going to get it this year like 2021 but then i guess uh warner brothers decided to side with uh, hbo max and same day release within theaters and do a christmas day as well as hbo max so i was able to see the movie get my thoughts My opinions, a lot of people are out there are torn between it. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is why Lara's here, because we need a lady's point of view. (laughs) And uh, on top of that, you know, I'm a little bit torn. I'm not saying I hated it, and I'm not saying I loved it. So you'll hear my thoughts overall in general. Steve's not able to be with us, but he did send in feedback. So we'll play that towards the end so you get his thoughts and points on the movie itself. And with that, we're, we're just going to begin. So basically, the synopsis for Wonder Woman 1984 is Wonder Woman squares off against Maxwell Lord and the Cheetah, a villainous who possesses superhuman strength and agility. So they made this ver- this synopsis very vague on IMDb when it first was released. <laughs> so especially since it's a new movie. And, you know, we're, we're just going to move on. Our first impression, our thoughts when we went in. And Lara, I would like you to give yours first.
1: Okay, sure. Yeah, I am um, basically my background with Wonder Woman is that I grew up in the late 70s early 80s, so probably around the age of 7 or 8, I watched the Wonder Woman TV series with Linda Carter and yes. was so in love with it. Like every little girl of that time, I would spin around on the playground and try to turn my my regular clothes into Wonder Woman's fabulous star-spangled uniform and um In the 80s, I read the George Perez comic book version of Wonder Woman. It was really great. I was really into that one. Didn't read much after that, but um, have been picking up some of the newer releases that are coming out. But, yeah, I loved the first Wonder Woman movie. I felt they finally had brought her to life on the big screen the way I wanted to see her just, you know, compassionate, but strong and intelligent. So I was like you really, really looking forward to this sequel and it takes place in the eighties. So (laughs) if anyone, I was the target demographic for this movie, you know, grew up with wonder woman, read the wonder woman comics, was (laughs) alive in the eighties and had that whole nostalgia going for me, but really on first watch, I was with some family members. We were watching that after Christmas and I think it was mainly because I was watching it with them and they were, some of them hadn't even seen the first movie. A lot of them weren't really that familiar with wonder woman. They just thought it would be kind of a fun movie to watch together. So we watched it and some of them started to fall asleep and just, they weren't really excited about it. So I think that brought my anticipation down a little bit Mm. and you know, there were, Issues that I took with it, too, which I'll go into later. But I did do a second watch before the podcast by myself. And on second watch, I enjoyed it more and um, was able to just enjoy the parts that I was having hangups with because, you know, of (laughs) other people's reactions to it. Yeah.
2: Well, like you, I I watched it, I believe, that Christmas Day. And the first watch, and my first impression or response was, that was pretty good. Not what I was expecting based on the hype, but also for the fact that, you know, I saw the first Wonder Woman movie in the drive-in during the summer when it came out, and I loved it. There, I had a, maybe a few issues at the very end of that particular movie in the, from the antagonist and what they did in it, but overall, I loved the movie and with that it made me long for the sequel and when i heard it too is 1984 that's our demographic i was born in the 70s we were born in the same year mm-hmm. and i did grow up on the wonder woman and uh, incredible hulk action hour as they call it because they put wonder woman then they put the incredible hulk and with that i loved linda carter as a kid and was anticipating all this stuff because of wonder woman i never really followed the comic line I would grab a couple of issues here and there. I remember the big parts that she played in Crisis on Infinite Earths and a, and a few other issues that I got independently, just single issues. And I don't know which runs they were. It was during the mid-80s and then into the 90s eventually. But I'm thinking the reason why I wasn't so happy with it, maybe it was because I saw it at home and not in Mm -hmm. front of a theater in a theater or something or on a big screen but after my second thought i thought it was still really good i didn't think it was great there are things that i love about the movie and a few few things that i just don't it didn't round out like the first movie it Mm -hmm. had its moments with comedy or comedic points the antagonist i felt in this was interesting it was based on magic, which we all know, listeners. You know, with Shazam, that's based on magic as well. Mm-hmm. So, and I look forward to the the next Shazam movie to come out. But you know, I I appreciated it more in the second watch. But I could tell what everybody else was talking about, and like you were stating before, that people were falling asleep <laughs> and when they were watching it. It was a long movie, yeah. so they didn't really jump to character build as fast as you would want it to be but they put in a lot of scenes in this so there was probably not much editing involved on after the overall this would have been like the director's cut if there is a director's cut how long is that director's cut
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely like my overall opinion was that it was it was funny because the theme of the movie was the 80s and, you know, more is more, you know, more is not less in the 80s. More is more. And and in this case, the movie had more is more and it was too much. It was bloated. Yeah.
2: yeah. And with that, we uh, what I did within this point of view when we're doing this, uh, this particular movie, I decided to do pros and cons of the movie, uh, what my pros were and my cons. They come up a little bit almost equal at certain points. And they're reasonable when you think about it when we talk talk about them. So what were your pros on the movie? What did you like?
1: Uh, yeah, let me take a look at my goods here. The whole, actually, first 30 minutes of the movie, the uh, Mesquian Iron Woman competition, it kind of called back to... Wonder Woman's original origin story in Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman where there's a competition to see which is, which of the Amazonians is the strongest and who gets to go to America with Steve Trevor in the comic books. So I thought that was a great nod to the comic books. Mm -hmm. The whole beginning at the mall was very Richard Donner esque. I know Patty Jenkins is a big fan of Richard Donner and it had that very eighties nostalgia feel so the 80s sort of montage in the mall, getting to see all the various mall shops. Um, I wrote down some of the shops that I recognized. I saw an Orange Julius in there, JCPenney, Lamps Plus, <laughs> some of the things you're just not going to get to see anymore. Yeah. And uh, the quick scan of Diana's pictures, her, the picture gallery in her apartment, um, showing all the friends that she's lost. And it was actually kind of sad. You got to see a picture of her there with Etta Candy, just kind of understanding her dilemma is being an, an immortal and maybe that's one of the reasons that she can't connect with mortals is because she has this immortality and she knows whoever she meets she's eventually going to have to lose so i love that i thought all the performances were really good i liked everybody in their role but pedro pascal was amazing <laughs> yes, i just thought he was. He was so dynamic um, Over the but top, he was also though. sympathetic. <laughs> yes, that's great. Like he was such a showman and that's what he was. He was a con man who like is dynamic on TV and just this this great showman. But I think he had some great scenes too of where you felt a little sympathy for him like yes. when his he's with his son and that other his business partner comes up and tells him he's a loser and he's He's just frustrated. He's like, I'm not a loser.
2: And it took a long while for us to see the background of where he came from, mm-hmm. from when he was a kid on the streets, poor, and then him trying to start his own style of business.
1: Mm-hmm. Coming from an abusive family, and exactly.
2: Of and that. it took too long to really get to that point, and that that's why we kind of didn't show any empathy towards this particular character, even though he is the villain. We don't get that until later on. And I'm like, why wouldn't we... I kind of felt
1: that in the scene with his son, though, when he was telling his son he's not a loser. He had this kind of pained look on his face. So, I don't know. That's why I immediately felt some sympathy for him, regardless of his over-the-top character.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that is true. So...
1: One other great is, oh, I like that they show us Diana's intelligence with her vast knowledge of ancient history and languages. Mm -hmm. That's something that Diana's character in the comic books has always had. She's always been a diplomat. She's always been, you know, very intelligent. So I really love that they give that aspect to her in the movies. And I was intrigued by the story of Asteria and really would have liked to see a little bit more of that. And that final scene with Maxwell (laughs) and his son was super touching.
2: Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah, when you talk about the languages, though, it makes me think of the first movie because she mentioned to Steve how many languages she speaks. Mm -hmm. So she's able to do that. She's like, what, you'd only know one language (laughs) (laughs) in the first one? But obviously, yeah, it shows exactly how she's been through the years of being within this world and learning all its history and knowing all these aspects of these artifacts, of course, that she knows because she's been around that long.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So with me, uh, well, the intro scene at Themyscira, it like you mentioned before, the, the lesson that Diana has to learn within the scene itself with the test. I just love how they introduced that, in which, honestly, Warner Brothers told Patty Jenkins to take that out. And mm-hmm. honestly, that is the worst thing that they would ever have done if they did take that out. That Definitely. was needed yeah you know, that is the one thing that the Bechtel test is for within film, and that showed just women. you had no talk about men, you had no men in a scene, you had <laughs> nothing it was all woman based mm-hmm. that was the whole point because as soon as we get into like nineteen eighty four we get we see Kristen Wiig, and she's dealing with guys and trying to be flirtatious and then she meets Diana, who's like very much offsetting in a yeah. very you know within that one scene, so I thought that was pretty great that we got that scene and it was really needed for young women, young girls that are growing up in this day and age to give them a sense of, you know, strength and power. Plus it was also a learning lesson for Diana that we see later on within the film. So it's kind of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And without yeah. it, I don't think we would have that. It would have been lost and people would have been like, okay, why this? Why are they doing this? So, but yeah, I, I thought that scene was amazing. And with you, like the overall look of 1984 and pop culture during that time, you know, the way people dressed, especially with Steve Trevor dealing with it, uh-huh. a man at a time. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, this looks great. And she's like, no. And and he must have dressed like 38 <laughs> times. Uh, definitely the music within the movie that just brought me back to that particular time. You know, I'm not a huge pop fan of '80s music, and as I've gotten older, even though I grew up around it, I tend to, you know, appreciate more and more. And I if- take
1: it. One issue with that one, though. Um, sure, uh, Mark. Because I. I listened on the second watch. I'm like, was there any 80s music in there? Was there? Because, you know, we've got uh, Stranger Things where they're always playing great songs from the 80s. And Mm -hmm. just recently I watched um, The Haunting of Bly Manor that took place in the 80s, and they had even a few 80s songs in there. I did not hear one single 80s song. It was all in the
2: background. It it was actually very I did hear sort of a
1: Frankie goes to Hollywood kind of sound going on at the party, Mm -hmm. but I could not hear any. And this would be the perfect opportunity to throw in, you know, like a Def Leppard or uh, New Order. I mean, I loved the New Order song they used in the trailer with the first trailer that came out, New uh, Blue Monday. Mm -hmm. So that's that was a big disappointment for me that they did not throw a single '80s song in there.
2: A lot of it was kind of alluded, I think, you're right, in, in some respect, but the uh, the soundtrack itself doesn't, you know, the one that I have and I got was just basically the overall soundtrack. And what I heard within it was pretty much, I might have been on a rights issue with Warner Brothers with trying to get all these 80s songs and it wasn't budgeted in, but mm-hmm. it gave you the the feel of the synthesizers in the back, like with the party scene that Cheetah goes to you know Mm -hmm. she goes there and then she's getting all the looks you have that music in the back and it's very faint and there is 180 song in that and then same thing during the montage with uh with diana and and steve when going through all the 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 suits and the the clothing that he had to wear so yeah they yeah you're right in that aspect i didn't really pay too much attention but the one thing that they did bring back was the fanny pack (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and
2: that was funny. And I, I was researching, trying to figure out, was that 1984? And apparently it was available within the early 80s. I think they said around 1982 where I read it. And it didn't really become prominent until like maybe 85, 86. And it I'm became... trying to
1: remember when I got my fanny pack.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. But it seems to be a, a something that led all the way into the 90s too. It kind of mm-hmm. dwindled out and then slowly made its comeback... Within the past 10 years, too, because you do see The Rock wearing one every once in a while. (laughs) But, you know, the next one I I would say, uh, a little bit of information I liked, was the fact that we get Diana creating the invisible jet. Mm -hmm. We get that. That's something that we always wanted to see as far as having an invisible jet. But honestly, they did that. you, You knew about that from the Super Friends. You knew about that from the Linda Carter TV series, but it was kind of campy if you think about it, and mm-hmm. they wanted to make this as, um, you can't really make the superhero movies realistic, but came close to something within reality. So with certain sort of magics, she was able to do something. And the humorous part about that scene is, is that she, he goes, oh, you've done this before? She goes, yes, I did it with a coffee cup. And I still can't find it. (laughs) So, and that scene itself was amazing for the fact because it was really meant to be seen on the big wide screen and like IMAX Mm -hmm. because of what they see when they're going through all the fireworks and everything behind them. It's meant to be experienced that way. And seeing it at your home, yeah, unless you have like a true Atmos system with a nice like projector screen in your house or maybe close to that at an 85 inch OLED TV and Mm -hmm. the nice surround sound system, you wouldn't really appreciate it. Me, I only have like a 65 OLED. I do have a 7.1 system. It showed up as Atmos when I played it, but I wanted more big and grand. So I'm hoping if they do a re-release during the summer, when everything starts to slow down a bit with what everything that's going on in the real world, I'm hoping to go out and see that. I would love to see it in an IMAX theater just to revisit that, that one scene particularly. But I I thought it was pretty cool that they gave her that ability to make the plane invisible. So we got that one aspect out of it. And that's one of the things I really loved.
1: I really wonder what kind of effect not getting to watch this in the theater had on a lot of viewers, because I really feel like if you were in a big theater with surround sound surrounded by a bunch of fellow fans People would have had a much different reaction than they did. Mm,
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a lot of people are getting used to, to the idea of watching these things at home and then nitpicking about certain things. <laughs> but there are those people that are available and they can go out to the theater. Now, mind you, it does suck to sit in a theater. You have to wear a mask, you have to be so far apart, and it's limited seating. Mm-hmm. I have not done it yet, but I don't know of anybody else who have actually tried to do that. I went to one drive-in this year during the summer, and that was it. And it was for an older film. Mm-hmm. Now you got to, got to go see Jurassic Park for the umpteenth time and, and see that. But I, I didn't see any new films. All the new films that I've seen are on my TV. Mm-hmm. So I really miss the cinema. And that's what this movie needed was to be out in the cinemas and experience that way. Yeah. So. It was
1: definitely a summer popcorn movie that we had to watch at home at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, at Christmas.
2: <laughs> I guess they figured with everybody being home for the holidays, everybody anticipating it, the family will sit around and watch it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the the best thing in the movie, that another good thing that I loved about the movie, is the action scenes were done very well. The scene where Diane and Steve go after the caravan for you know, when for Max, when mm-hmm. he's in that other country, and he was trying to manipulate the the oil king, whoever it mm-hmm. was, the, the whole sequence was really good. Her powers were a little weak due to Deborah taking that part of her in some way. So we got yeah. a little bit of that aspect. It showed a weakness for Diana to, for just a little bit. But her heart with saving those kids from being run over, that was really cool. And the little things mm-hmm. that she said, it's like, you didn't see this? <laughs> it's like, yes. I, that was pretty cool. And the fact that it was like her saving kids.
1: Yeah. And I love the wink that she gives to the little girl in the mall when yes. she's she's fighting the bad guys. And the, the little girl goes out there and is like, wow. And she tucks her into that giant teddy bear. And yep. He gives she her just a wink. takes a
2: slide into it. and then, <laughs>
1: <"Hi."> <laughs> I did love that part too.
2: It was very cute the The scene where Steve tells Diana to go, that was so intense. That was really driven, and that's what the movie needed. Uh, On the second watch, it was a little emotional for me because Mm -hmm. it really tugs at the heartstrings. And you know, a lot of people are throwing those issues out there. It's like, well, she, he only, he, they were together for a little bit back in World War II, and blah blah blah, and you know. he, she had a crush on this guy and he's been dead for how many years? And I'm like, really? Come on.
1: <laughs> well, I, that's, uh, you know, that goes a little into my bad, but I will say that I was really surprised that they killed Steve Trevor in the first movie. I mean, it was one of, it was the most emotional scene of the first movie and I loved it, but I was really surprised that they killed him because Steve Trevor is Diana's Lois Lane. You know, yes. they are, the love story that has endured through the wonder woman stories. And there are actually times during the comic books where, where Steve ages and she doesn't. And Mm -hmm. I, I just find it a little interesting and I, they didn't approach it in the movie, but it's nice to theorize about like, you know, how deeply do you love someone when you are immortal and you know that, you know, they're, life is very fleeting compared to yours and you know perhaps that love sinks in a lot deeper for her because she knows it's so brief
2: and she has the memory and she still continues kind of like the highlander if Mm -hmm. you think about it yeah to coin uh, another (laughs) hades movie that i love so yeah but the cool thing about that one scene though is as she pushes herself away having forcing herself to leave him at that point She started to feel her power after taking back her wish for Steve. Mm -hmm. Then using the lasso as a way to propel her, you know, and to fly in some sort of way, freeing herself. The way she was projected was showing as if she was freeing herself from Mm -hmm. everything, releasing the hate really is driven at that point and not feeling that she's held onto because of him, because that was what was holding her back. So a lot of people you know see that as it being it being a weak point in the movie i don't think so i think it Mm -hmm. was something that was needed so and then i didn't
1: think their relationship was a weak point it was the way that it came about that i didn't love
2: but it was done magically if you think about it It wasn't even his body every time they didn't really point that out because he would see himself in the mirror he'd see himself as the Mm -hmm. other guy but whenever time anytime she saw him she saw steve (laughs) <laughs> and I'm pretty sure anybody else around looked at him and said, that's that guy. That's not the guy in the picture, Steve Trevor. But I think they kind of alluded to that in one scene, which I uh, I believe Kristen Wiggs character. It's when he's
1: looking in the mirror. Oh, I thought it was when he's looking in the mirror and he's like making faces at himself. Yes. And he's like, yeah, this isn't bad, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. You know.
1: He sees that he sees another body, another person there.
2: Yeah, he sees it, but my thought was if anybody else seeing him and who has seen that picture, because Kristen Wiggs' character, Deborah, I think it is, uh, she mm-hmm. winds up like going, oh, 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 like as if she recognized him. And they don't, you didn't get to see through her eyes what she sees. Is it Steve or is it the other guy? Because this right. is magic at hand. So. I think she
1: just, uh, something piqued her interest when Diana told her he was a pilot. Because yes, she told yeah, her that the I rem- man yeah, that, he was, that she was in love with was a pilot. That might have
2: been a, a gimme to get to mm-hmm. that point, you know? Like, oh, you're going back to pilots. You like those pilot guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: She's early in the pilots. <laughs> <laughs> My last one would be the the Linda Carter cameo as Asteria. Yes. Uh, yeah, we got the history about her as an Amazonian. We get her armor, which we see Diana don to go after Cheetah and Max. That was really awesome within the fight scenes itself with Cheetah. But seeing Linda Carter, who I had, you know, as a kid, had a crush on from Mm -hmm. her as Wonder Woman. And I'm sorry, listeners, if you see Linda Carter now, and I'm not just talking just on that particular scene, she has a beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. She sings and, and does jazz work, jazz music. And it's amazing. I tried to reach out to her people and I didn't get a response (laughs) because I did it literally about a month before the movie was finally saying, we're dropping this now. I really wanted to talk to Linda Carter. (laughs) But the fact is, is that, you know, we finally get representation from something that came before. You know, we got the Linda Carter Wonder Woman. Now she's there to play a character within this universe. And the woman has not aged i it's beautiful <laughs> she's still a beautiful woman you and mm-hmm. she's been in other movies not just this one she's been in super troopers too. she's <laughs> been in a, a few other movies it, it's pretty interesting she was actually in the dukes of hazard if you remember that too
1: wow no i know we watched that as kids and i never remember seeing no no her. no
2: the movie the dukes of. <laughs> oh
1: the movie okay i think i saw that if I did it was just once, so I'd have to go back. <laughs>
2: yeah, but it was it was really cool. I'm like, this woman never ages, and I think she mentioned it in, in an interview once. She, somebody mentioned it's like you never age. She goes, well, I have to leave that to my Mexican heritage.
1: Mm-hmm, and I'm lovely. like, lovely, well, yeah. I love she's that she winked hole. too. Because, yeah, she uh, winked. Yep, Wonder that's woman the... always gave the little wink. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it.
2: So now we got our pros out of the way. Glorifying it. I have a few cons, but mm-hmm. do you have a few cons based upon what we uh, what you've seen in the movie?
1: Okay, I got some bads <laughs> here. Got some and, bad ones. I mean, <laughs> they're not horrible. I mean, so many people, if you look online, you'd think that this was the worst movie of the year, and I didn't think so. I no. I really no, I enjoyed it. Um, it didn't live up to my expectations, but maybe I thought maybe my expectations were too high after such a great first initial movie. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, like I said, was getting a little um, down on it on my first watch, but I think that was the environment I was in and watching it by myself. I enjoyed it a lot more. So here's a few of the cons that I had. I liked Diana finally finding a new gal pal after losing Etta. I mm-hmm. imagine she was with Etta for a very long time until she passed away. And then she was probably lonely for a while. So it was mm-hmm. nice to have um, Barbara Minerva show up and be her big gal pal. <laughs> yep. But, I felt that their relationship was really rushed. I didn't get to feel any depth to it. They just go, they talk a little bit at work and then they go out for a quick dinner and uh, Diana rescues her from the belligerent drunk. But I mean, I did not feel that connection and it would have been really been nice to have that connection. Like the connection she had with her, her gang in the first movie, you know, I felt her have a connection with each one of those characters and I don't know if it was just the the writing or what, that it just didn't give them an opportunity to show how, you know, instantly close they became.
2: Yeah, it's because it was only a few scenes. And then Barbara grows this attachment towards Diana wanting and longing to be her. And that was Mm -hmm. her wish. But Yeah, and you—that was a
1: little single white female to me.
2: (laughs) It was, yeah. (laughs) And then on top of that, you mentioning Etta too, because we get all we see is a picture of Etta. We Mm -hmm. never—the only thing that we got out of the first film with Etta was for the fact that she was showing, you know, Diana all these these dresses and everything that she had to get her ready. (laughs) And it's like she loves her poppiness. You didn't grasp, you know, there was no flashback of, hey, this was their relationship. And then you could feel like Diana be like thinking as she's with Barbara, maybe to a flashback of a friend that she had that was female that she over the years, even after Steve, it would Mm -hmm. have been nice to have something just a little snippet. But that would be me saying, hey, release the director's cut. (laughs) (laughs) because you know they have to have something a little something there but if they decided to do that that would be great because the movie itself was like over two and a half hours long
1: which leads me to my other bad which i meant to i said to you that this story was disblooded it had too many too many elements um the first movie had a nice economy to it that kept Mm. the storyline simple and the pace moving but this one tried to incorporate another diana flash flashback in themiscria which was needed but yes. then a cheetah backstory a maxwell lord backstory a trevor uh steve trevor resurrection story an hysteria <laughs> story an 80s nostalgia bit about the oil barons and consumerism and the cold world cold war and it was just like this is too much <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, trim it down it was just it was just trying to throw everything at you. And it's I've in my opinion, made the story just a bit too convoluted. And I actually liked the Diana scene in, in teaching her to fly. And I liked the scene with the invisible jet, but I feel like we should have got one or the other, not both in the, in the second movie, there's a third coming up. So I don't know why they couldn't have put that into the third movie. One of those. Uh,
2: I think Patty Jenkins pushed a little bit more into it because she wanted to show more. Of what Diana mm-hmm. can have, because literally all we saw her in the very in her very first role on th- on and on the screen that we know of is with Batman versus Superman. She comes in, mm-hmm. she's like taking out, you know, can keep up with the boys at that point, mm-hmm. you know. And with this, with the first movie, we get the uh, the information of who Diana is. We get to know her, and then by Justice League. She's more incorporated. She's more modern by that time. But, of course, it's considered modern age. But it, and she's I,
1: still in love with Steve.
2: And she's still <laughs> in love with Steve. That guy that she met 40-some-odd years or 50 or 60-some-odd years ago. 60-some. Yeah. <laughs>
1: 60 some. yeah.
2: The, the, the cool thing with the Themyscira thing, though, honestly, you know, I, I love the ideas of all the different women who were playing Amazonians and the fact that we got a little bit more of Robin Wright got Mm -hmm. more Princess Bride on screen and she still looked great as she did in the first film too. So that was, and honestly, I still think that was definitely needed. They, they should shoot themselves in the arm.
1: Yeah, they definitely did that. I just, maybe there were other, well, actually I know what they could have trimmed out more. Um, But on top of this huge convoluted story, they (laughs) have some sort of nameless God of mischief that basically caused the entire chaos of the story. And you hear about him for two minutes and he doesn't even get a name
2: or we don't even get a flashback history of who he really is, (laughs) what happened to him. And, you know, it it just, that I had a little bit of a problem with that too, because she just sees it at the very bottom of whatever, a little ring mm-hmm. or metal piece that was where the crystal was. Yeah. And she oh, right away then she realizes and then she just gives a brief information and then it goes on. I agree with that.
1: We don't even know what God is. She she looks at it and it says, Oh, it's in the language of the gods and I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. Like we're gonna get some god action here like Detail. we did in the last music <laughs> last movie and no, no, it doesn't even get a name.
2: <laughs> so you had a couple of others too i see
1: yeah um really the <laughs> my biggest problem and i think it's a lot of people's problem is the way that steve trevor was brought back i mean yeah he had such great chemistry at, with uh well um
2: gal gadot and and Chris Prine have really Chris, good Chris chemistry. Pine yeah. and
1: Gal Gadot have really great chemistry together. And I just feel like there were some executives at Warner Brothers who sat down and said, OK, what worked in the first movie? OK, Steve Trevor and, and Wonder Woman, and we back. need to bring them back together. Right? I don't care how you do it. You got to bring them back. And when I saw the trailers and I knew he was coming back, I'm like, oh, gosh, I really hope he's just coming back as kind of like a thought in her head or some, you know, sort of thing that comes back to her when she needs his inspiration or something like that. But no, they, they brought him back. (laughs) I'm okay that they brought him back with magic. I heard that Patty Jenkins was a fan of heaven can wait where, um, Warren Beatty's character comes back in the body of a man in a coma. Mm -hmm. So I think she wanted to do that, but I don't think it was the greatest idea. Like if this magical stone can, raise up walls in the desert and can you know create missiles out of nowhere why couldn't they create or just bring Steve Trevor's body back <laughs> just bring him back why do they have to body snatch this poor you know innocent man who has no idea that his body is just being used and like sent off to Egypt to possibly be killed and everything like I I didn't love that and I just to me, it felt like bringing him back, I, and I realized he would probably have to somehow die again at the end, but mm-hmm. it kind of lessened his sacrifice from the first movie for me.
2: Exactly. For the fact that it's like, oh, she's still torn, too, because if you look at Justice League, when mm-hmm. she talks, when you know, when Ben Affleck as uh, Bruce Wayne says, oh, did you talk to your, <laughs> is this your feeling about? Mr. Trevor, and she just, like, throws him out. It's like, really? It's mm-hmm. like, it, it felt better when we just had that one story from the first film and, and not have him available within this. But I guess for story purposes of pushing the uh, the character for love and everything else and being at a balance of what we were getting with Barbara, you know, and wanting mm-hmm. and needs. So I guess they, they had to put that in there because they didn't... W- what were they going to do? Put in a new love interest at
1: mm-hmm. that point?
2: And I, I don't, it would have fell I short. Know.
1: Maybe they wouldn't need another love interest and it, she could have developed her relationship with Barbara a little more.
2: Mm. Yeah, it, it could have been, well, then it would have been really a single wife female. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> maybe.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for mine, well, I felt the movie was—I've said it before—a little bit too long for me. I, I know that they wanted it to knock, to get it knocked out at a park with people, but the like you and I both stated, uh, the movie was a little bit too drawn out with some scenes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they could have, you know, lowered the amount of time within those scenes themselves instead of dragging yeah, them out.
1: I kind of liked your man out of time with Steve um, experiencing the '80s, yeah. but him like you know trying on the 80s clothes and everything that was the same gag with the first movie but with him and diana reversed so i was like "Mm, don't play that gag again do something different
2: well it's very similar to the gags that they did with uh within this film just like they did it in the first film just short when diana saves steve she stops the bullet with her Mm -hmm. bracelet and this one, uh, it's all the comical stuff that, like, you would see in Superman 2 mm-hmm. or Superman 3 at that point and back in the uh, 80s when those movies came out or late 70s, 80s, uh, early 80s. But the, uh, you know, Donner was uh, big, you know, had a big thing with gags in movies. And they did that, especially with Steve Trevor during the he, he picks up the bike mm-hmm. saying, I try to ride my way to where you work, but I didn't know how to get this thing out the door. <laughs> Yeah, and it's was was an funny. exercise standalone deck that him with the, the trash can. It's mm-hmm. like he, she's showing him art, it's and just he just that, That's 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 art. That's and that art. Was
1: funny, but they gave that away in the trailer. They like, did, oh, they shouldn't have given that one away in the trailer,
2: yeah. But yeah. The, to add on to some of the other things I wasn't sure of, and what what didn't really like was would be the long shots of CGI on Kristen Wiig. That was just bad at, for Cheetah. Mm-hmm. You know, you would think a, a a movie of this scope and this budget, the the effects would be as good as what we get on the Mandalorian or a Star Wars film. At that, mm-hmm. the close up shots were really really good because. I think they were more practical with makeup effects, especially Mm -hmm. when, you know, when Diana takes, you know, Barbara out of the water and she's still Cheetah and you get a a closer look at Kristen Wiig's face when they are face to face right in front of each other. You Mm -hmm. see that is her. It's not a CGI effect. So I, I think they should have worked and paid more attention to all these things that they, they were putting into these effects for that because the movie, prided on the idea that they were we were going to get a cheetah Mm -hmm. and it and i would not be surprised if we get cheetah again
1: yeah and cheetahs according to like dc lore she's one of the fastest characters in the dc universe behind you know some of the flashes and stuff but when she ran in the white house she did not look like she was running really fast she didn't have that kind of flash effect where Fleshy you, you kind of yeah, yeah you can see the trails behind him or anything she she didn't feel to me like she was running super fast
2: maybe it's because she was just learning her power i'm, I'm not trying to justify <laughs> it but i'm thinking in the in in a sense that when if we do get more of her later on mm-hmm. uh we'll get more of that later on you know i'm not talking yeah. about you know, her in the Legion of Doom with Luthor and <laughs> arrested him. them. <laughs> oh,
1: man, I want the Legion of Doom. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Meanwhile, I back want at the that, Legion of Doom. I want
1: that Darth Vader-style <laughs> yeah. headquarters in the swamp.
2: <laughs> the Doom headquarters, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please give us that Patty Jenkins.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that. A little bit, yeah, a little bit of me and that, that kid who loved the Super Friends.
1: And yes. you can actually
2: still see those. They're on YouTube, so...
1: Nice. Well, um I agree with you with the makeup though. Some people complained that she looked like one of the cast of cats, but I thought she looked great.
2: Actually, I looked better than the most recent cats movie, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I thought she looked like a badass in her final cheetah transformation.
2: The transformation and everything else was really good. Deep down, it was good. The close-ups, like I said, it's just the long-distance shots look too animated to me. Mm -hmm. And they had more time and budgetary. And I'm sorry, delaying a movie this long, they could have gone back and re-edited those shots. Yeah, Just to give us a little bit more and just get what we were expecting. So,
1: What about uh, Diana's running scenes, though? When she's running, and it looks like she's running on a wire. Do you think that was because they were being cheap with the cgi or do you think they were trying to do a throwback to how they had wonder woman running in the 70s uh tv show
2: hmm that's a good question and it looked like yeah it looked like she was on a track or something then it was just pushing her forward to do it Mm -hmm. but yeah i i it did look a little bit off but now, that, yeah. Now that I think of it, it does look a little off. It <laughs> might have been something towards the fact that they were trying to, like you were saying, go uh, towards like re- refer to the 1970s Wonder Woman show. Yeah, because when I was watching it
1: the second time, I'm like, that looks a lot like how they made her and like the Bionic Woman and the Million Dollar Man run back in the 70s. Well,
2: well, if you always watch the Bionic Man and the Bionic Woman, they would always do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) slow run (laughs) but with her it wasn't we we were seeing the speed as it were and everybody being a blur behind them so with visual effects nowadays it was a lot easier Mm -hmm. uh the last one i would have would be the you know though the scenes of max lord were a bit too long they were okay yeah but i I think they they could have been shortened Mm -hmm. to some degree you know, on his way to power with the the crystals or God's power that he obtained with the wish. Yeah, and Peter Pascal was very good at it. I I thought I a lot of people are not into him as playing other characters if you know because they've seen him on Game of Thrones and he's the Mandalorian now. But I I thought it was a little over the a, a little over the top at times. You know, a little humorous to me, similar to Chris Reeves' Superman series and and his villains in the seventies and early eighties. You know, you know, you think about Luthor and how, act, you know, crazy they were and how mm-hmm. they acted, how over the top they were. Yeah. You know, and the lack of information about the crystal, we agree. You know, that to mm-hmm. me is the, come on, it was, it was a perfect point to have like a big backstory of Big Bad that's in the movie. Mm-hmm. And we got that from the last one because she talked about the God of War. And what do we get at the end? (laughs) So it's like, okay. But we don't see a visual look of this particular, you know.
1: I know. He destroyed the entire Mayan civilization. And we get no story on him whatsoever. And I was thinking of the entire Greek pantheon, which plays a lot into the Wonder Woman stories. There's not really a god of mischief like there is in Norse mythology with Loki. There's Pan, and he can be mischievous, but he can't turn objects into... um, You know, tools of of destruction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought that was weird that it, like, the entire story kind of hinged on this magical object, and yet we hear nothing about the god that created it. (laughs)
2: Exactly. It's like, oh, we'll talk about this guy, but we'll never see him.
1: We'll just hand wave it away. It's We'll just
2: hand it off. Yeah, hand it off. (laughs) All right. Well, those were our thoughts on on the movie wonder woman 1984 now we're going to just move on to quotes so we have a little fun with this at times do you have any quotes from the movie that you liked lar
1: yeah, I've got a couple. Um, my first one is uh, when she's talking to Maxwell Lord and she tell he's, he's uh, telling her, trying to get her to recognize him from the TV. And mm-hmm. she says, I don't have a TV. And his response is, I can get you a brand new TV by the end of the day, 19 inches, no strings attached. And Diana's response is, I'll stick to the TV I don't have. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: That's a good one.
1: <laughs> and then my other one that I laughed out loud at is when they're taking off on the the jet and um Diana just uh, kind of forgets to mention to Steve about radar and yes. Steve says to her well will they shoot us well shit Diana <laughs> <laughs> I just love it he talks to her like they're a regular couple, couple. i mean she's a demigod and he's just like I well know. shit Diana <laughs> That was great. I think that was pure Chris Pine right there.
2: That was, and it worked out, but that was also in the plane, too. So it was one of my (laughs) favorite scenes, so I love that. (laughs) Well, I have a couple myself, so one would be from Diana, and she goes, so you went to my apartment? And then Steve goes, yeah, I tried to use the bike at first. I couldn't really figure out how to get it going, so I ran over and saw you come back, and I was stunned. There you were, so I just followed you like a creep, and then Diana, look at you. It's not. It's like one day has passed. And then Diana goes, "I can't say the same thing about you." <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> Poor Steve. At least he landed in a handsome man's body, because I think that's what the guy gets credited for in the credits is the handsome handsome man. guy
2: body. <laughs> of all things, yeah. still, you you know that actors can be like, "Really, dude? Can I have like?" <laughs> yeah, hopefully it would stop billing, but probably not. He's probably lower down in scale. Give
1: the poor fellow a name, at least.
2: <laughs> yep. Well, the next one and the last one I have would be Antiope saying, and this is to young Diana, and she she goes, you cannot be the winner because you are not ready to win. And there's no shame in that. Only in knowing the truth in your heart and not accepting it. No true hero is born from lies. So without them having that, if they do took that whole Themyscira intro out Mm -hmm. of the movie, and it just went in like we were talking about, it would have been the worst thing, because this is what guided her in this movie, if you think Mm -hmm. about it.
1: Yeah, you can't get anything by cheating or using shortcuts.
2: Exactly. So, well, we're uh, heading towards the end, and Steve couldn't make it tonight, so what we're going to do is we're going to play what Steve has sent us. Uh, He uh, sent us uh, some a voicemail, of all things. So I'm going to share that, and we'll listen to that now.
0: Hey, Mark and Laura, this is Steve. And uh, so sorry that I can't be with you guys uh, tonight for this this Wonder Woman 1984 review. But uh, so I'll I'll just throw in a few of my thoughts real quick, not to take up too much time. I really enjoyed the movie the first time I watched it. The second time, with all of the the criticism that I heard from other people, kind of bothered me a little bit. But overall, I still enjoyed it even the second time, and I love that cameo scene at the end that we get with Linda Carter. It's just amazing uh, to see her, and, like, as soon as I saw her from behind, I knew who it was. Like, it, there there was no doubt in my mind that it was going to be Linda Carter and, uh, and that she was going to be hysteria. I thought that was so super cool, but... Uh, a few of the things that I, that I really did like, I actually liked the predictability of it because a lot of 80s movies were predictable. So it, it didn't bother me all that much that there was some predictability to it. I loved when Diana and and Barbara are at the party and Diana is dressed in white and Barbara is dressed in black. It's so very clear who the villain is and who the, the hero is. I, I really liked that part of it. I I love the – just <sighs> – how we we could see the the corruption, the degre- the degradation of Barbara's character as she became less and less human and became more and more of that kind of predator thing. And uh, the only you know, I do have a few criticisms of it. I didn't like this the whole quantum leap thing of of uh, Steve jumping into some other guy's body. That just it. it the movie didn't make it clear. I also didn't like the inconsistency with the wish power uh, with Pedro Because Sometimes he would just ask somebody, well, you want me to do this, right? And, and you wish for me to do this. And they would be like, yes. So uh, anyway, can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. Have a great time, and I will talk to you later.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. I love the idea he throws it in Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah. He's Dr. Sam Beckett. He's
1: going to pop into this body for a few days.
2: Yeah. And yeah, I think he's right in that aspect, too. Well, thank you, mm-hmm. Steve. Uh, we wished you could have been here. <laughs> but you'll get to hear what we thought. I think we went on a little bit further than we thought we would. Usually these take about a half hour or so. But we decided to go a little longer. So with that... Uh, We're going to move into some comic news. So with that, we have WandaVision is going to be released on January 15th of 2021. Yay! It's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Something I'm looking forward to, and I can't wait to see this. It will be two episodes that will drop that particular day. So, listeners, if you're going to watch and send us feedback, please just indicate which episode you're regarding. We're not sure if we're going to be recording them individually or doing... The bulk of the two episodes yet so if you could do that it'd be great plus we are getting snowpiercer season two come january 25th on tnt we have already mentioned this so we know that the the WandaVision's is going to be overlapping so steve and i might just alternate on <laughs> who covers what or we might combine them we're not sure yet but we will notify you guys what we're going to do because it's it's two things that we both are anticipating that's coming up. And it's funny how they all come up at the same time. So look forward to that when that comes out. So at the very end, we always love to give podcast recommendations. So Lara, do you have any that you would like to recommend?
1: Sure. I don't do any podcasting myself, but um, as this uh, movie involved a lot of mythology into it, I am a huge fan of mythology. So there's a bunch of fun podcasts out there that i listen to including the myths and legends podcasts mythology and fiction explained and tales of the british isles and maybe if i listen to that i'll find out who this mysterious god of mischief is
2: <laughs> yeah see where they pulled that from <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool uh for me well run for your lives with paik and daphne on the pyrocore entertainment They cover those big monster movies. Right now they're covering some disaster films as well. So check them out. Adrenaline Cinema Podcast, which is my other podcast, and you can find that on the Pyrocore Entertainment Network as well. By the time this comes out, you shall be hearing a review of the movie Aliens. And with that, I have my friends Wendy and Kelly. And they'll be on and we'll be discussing that. So check that out. Strange Indeed on the can Network with Rima and Ben now covering the stand uh, for CBS All Access. And Paik will be available for a few episodes as well while Ben keeps his seat warm for him. So check nice. that out. But for any of you, if you like to submit any of your feedback, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, which would be facebook.com slash Panels to Pixels we'll be putting a post of what we're gonna be covering or if we're what episode of what show we're covering next, just leave your comments below that particular post. So do that. If not, you could always email us and send us a voicemail message like you just heard Steve do. Mm-hmm. And you could send that to panels to pixels1 at gmail.com. And that's panels to spelt out the, the letters T and O and pixels and the number one at gmail.com. So do that. And you could also hear us on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. So if there's any way for you to give us a rating, it would be really appreciated. Just be honest, throw us a a rating and a review, and we'll be happy about that. So we could also be found on YouTube as well. I convert all these audio files and put them with an image and you could hear that if you like to go to YouTube and listen to your podcast that's where we'll be it would be panels to pixels podcast so check that out just do the search and we'll be there each episode will be there as well you could actually put in comments in YouTube as well so and where else can listeners hear us? Well, since Steve's not here, you could hear him on other people's podcasts when he sends feedback. Because he just loves to watch TV and get in touch with his friends. So, he loves being on there. And I b- do believe he did a podcast earlier, either not today, but yesterday. And it's on the Podcastica Network. I think he was covering Cobra Kai, Season 3, one of the Ooh. episodes there. So... Will keep you aware of when and that will be coming out. So, check Steve out on that. So, with me, you could also hear me on, like I stated before, Adrenaline Cinema Podcast, and that would be found on the Pyrocore Entertainment Network. So, you could check out all my movie reviews of action movies, adventure movies, suspense, and thrilling movies. So, check those out at that location. So, well, with that, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I'm Mark. I'm Laura. And this was Panels to Pixels. And we'll see you on the next panel. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night.